I hear that, and I know it doesn't matter where I am, Carter. I know it's one o'clock Eastern time. I guess that makes it like ten a.m. on the West Coast, and sometime in between. If you're in those states, sort of in the middle, makes sense, right? That's how the whole thing works. But this is market call. Today is Wednesday, August the 9th. Today's market call, of course, brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Dan Nathan is being powered by a jet airliner. That's a Steve Miller song. Uh, he's going to Colorado, I believe. Now, if he were here, which he isn't, because as I just said, he's in Colorado, he would said, why are you doxing me? Which is something now I've heard a couple times over the last week or so. I have no freaking idea what it means. So if you want to put it in the comments section, have at it, people. That's what Dan Nathan is. I think it means when they say docs, it means like you document it. I think it's short for like documentation, but apparently that's not the case. Now, with me today for the entire show is the great Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting. Uh, who also, how are you, Carter? Who also doesn't know anything about what doxing means. But anyway. Well, I don't know. I, I, I mean, don't know. I understand. Well, that might be happening to us right now. Who, who knows? We we that might be getting doxxed by a by a by a higher power. To your yeah. point, I'm with you on that. But listen, we're not going to sort of bury any leads here. The market, I think, is becoming a story. But before we go to that, um, a lot of interesting things going on in China. And let's just start with our first headline. I mean, you talk about something you haven't seen for a while. China slips into deflation in a warning sign. For the economy. Now, this is something you, know, you stay away from the fundamentals, as you say, but this is something you've been talking about in relation to some of your calls. And we're going to talk about yields in a little while. And it's funny when Ackman came out with his proclamation, by the way, he still might be right uh, in terms of yields. You said it that day, that's probably going to be the top tick for a while. And as it turns out, that was literally the top tick. So we'll see how that plays out. But when you see something like this, um, how does it factor into your work, if at all? Well, it doesn't. I mean, the principle being that um, you can't buy, right? There's no thing to buy China deflation. There's no ETF. There's no stock. You can have a view on that subject. You can have a view on COVID or global slowing. But at some point, you can do one or two th or three things. You do nothing after doing all the work and studying the subject. Um, two, you could, I don't know, chit chat about it, talk to a neighbor, a spouse, silly doing nothing, or you go down to the market, down to the track and make a bet. And that means finding some way to express a view on what you've learned or what you believe about China deflation and what that means for steel or coal or whatever. And so that's what charts are all about. It should start to show up in the action. And I think what we do have, and ironically, you reference it, um, the whole world is staring at the chart of the 10-year yield, the tips, and it's almost so obvious that it's going to break out. Um, sometimes that's exactly what it does. And it's I, fascinating, I, I, right? Yeah. I, I, I've had a lot of clients say, where, where are you? you know, you, you're basically in the lower yields camp. Yields have peaked, but we're right there. Why can't it break out? And so the response that I've uh, been sort of publishing and, and, and all my one-on-one -on -one calls and meetings in person is that Yields are still now right below where they were on the 21st of October. That's almost a year ago. And it's either we just never do break out and we ultimately grind sideways or go meaningfully lower, which I think captures 90% of the odds, or actually we do, and it's one of the greatest head fakes, it's a slight breakout, really draws the people in only to then crap out. 
But the third scenario is up higher and meaningfully higher rates. I just don't see it. Yeah. Well, let's see. I, I know Jacob or Stephen Rafis, who's manning uh, things back at headquarters, can pull up a chart of the TLT because what we just looked at were obviously yields in the absolute form. TLT, obviously, you can look at this in terms of the inverse form. And this is interesting to look at. Again, the bottoming out here, I think for the eye, this might be a little easier to understand. We traded down to in the TLT, to your point, Carter, the levels that we bottomed out in in October, effectively. I think the low then was 91 and change. I don't think we got as low, but you see what I'm looking at here. So, you know, you can make a argument, at least, that maybe a bit term, bit, bit short-term double bottom here, and we can trend up. Now, if we were to trend up to the moving average, it would suggest that 10-year yields, which again, were just 4.2%, could actually get down about 380, which is a pretty significant move. So I just wanted to look at this through the lens, obviously, of rates themselves, but then obviously through the lens of the TLT. I want you to take a look at something, Carter, and we're, we're calling a bit of an audible here, but look at SMCI. This is super micro, um, super micro computer. Mm-hmm. This a, is still a $14 billion company. I mention it because this has been the poster child for the whole AI thing. Um, and I listen, none of us have denied the importance of AI and where, where it's going to be in the years to come. What we've, what we've sort of struggled with is the meteor, meteoric rise in some of these stocks. So when you see a company of this magnitude, which obviously had an unabated run from the spring until recent levels, moved down 22%. On what's going to be big volume, you see that unfilled gap below. I think this speaks to obviously the, this stock specifically, super microcomputer, but maybe some of the froth, Carter, in this whole AI trade. Sure. So it is the number one performing uh, mid cap and large cap stock in any index, Russell three thousand over the past twelve months. It is what a, a parabolic move is, and while they almost invariably go further than the imagination will allow. I'm hurting shorts all along the way. What we do know is they always end the same way, which is um, you're, you're priced at a level where everything known and that it could possibly achieve gets priced in. And uh, this, is the, this is the fascinating thing about markets. Or said differently, as long as you check back to your 150-day moving average and you can see it's done that to the penny repeatedly, you can ascend for years, but when you pull away to such an extent and are 100, sometimes 200% above trend, above your moving average, you, you, the inevitable day like today is out there. And um, the really nuanced thing is there are a lot of people, remember, volume is heavy. There are a lot of people who've been waiting, waiting with their nose pressed up against the glass, looking in at the party. I missed it. I missed it. I'm waiting. You, it is almost never right to buy a drop in gap. As a matter of tech. Nick King um, has comments, Jacob and or Steven, if we could pull this up. Guy has no idea what AI stands for. Actually, Nick, I do. It means assholes in the chat room. Uh, so obviously That's I do cool. understand what AI stands for. So there you go with that. I just wanted to sort of answer some of the comments we're seeing. Let's look at your charts, Carter, because you brought a bevy of them. And yes, I actually do know what bevy means. Um, I mean, talk about talk, there's value added, right? And then a comment like that. What is that? Whereas I have one of my, I was one of six sillies. One of my brothers says, look, Carter, there are two kinds of people. They're enhancers and they're detractors. 
So we know what kind of individual that is. Uh, moving on. S&P 500, no lines, no drawings, no annotation, no judgment. Let's put some in. The first set of lines. Those two lines, those vertical lines, that's nobody's opinion. Those are facts, right? That's the high for January 2022. That's the low. We shall see uh, for now. Um, this is the uptrend since the low. That's nobody's opinion. Those are mathematically parallel lines. Now, let's take them all away and let's play the movie. We have had one. Here it comes. Draw it. That was early December to late December. We've had a second. Here it comes. And that was remarkably similar. That was February, March. Let's put in a perspective third. Now, that's what a, you know, if you go down one day, is that a dip? Is that a sell-off? No, a sell-off, a decline, a dip, a drop, correction, a drawdown. Uh, forget the words. Those three, now put the channel back in. If and as we were to drop 9.2% from the peak, we're down about three, three and a half now, and that would be right in line with the two preceding drawdowns since the October low. That would put us essentially 4,200, which, forget the fact that it's a round number, is exactly where the channel comes into play. And at that point, I think the market would be in a healthier position. The bear, I would just say this, if you're bullish and you really think those October lows are structural lows for years to come, you want this drawdown to reset things. And if you're bearish, you want this drawdown because you think it's not going to stop at 9.2 in principle. Mm -hmm. It's going to end up being down 15 or 28 or more than that, which is to say sequencing is important and a continuation here, whether you're bullish or bearish, is what one should want. So we'll stop it there for a second because, again, you would submit and I would look at this and say, hey, that move, that potential 9% move to the downside really doesn't mean anything because, well, it means something, obviously, in so much as it's a significant move. But the uptrend would still be intact. And you would come here if, in fact, we got to that in sometime late in August, or early September, uh, and you would say the uptrend is intact. We draw the chart once again. And you now have arrows pointing up like you do right there. So it's important to point out that it's okay to be bearish in the context of what we're seeing. I mean, it doesn't mean the world is coming to end. And I don't think any of us have ever necessarily said that. I will tell you that I do think a sell-off would be the most important and healthy thing this market can see right now, given some of the froth. And by the way, given some of the things that are going on. So I just beat you to the punch because you just drew those exact arrows that I was talking about. Yeah, and then and we probably have one final iteration with all the things. If you flash those back and forth, let's toggle, take the percentage away. Like, that's not random. Like, because I didn't make them. I mean, yeah, I've created the chart, but look where the level is. It's where the bottom of the channel. And you could say to hell with your channel, right? it's going to never get down there. Or to hell with your channel, it's going to cut through and go much lower. But that's all unknown. What we do know is the channel exists. And remarkably, were we to continue to sell off, and go down as much as 9.2%, it would be remarkably similar to the two preceding corrections, drawdowns, declines, since the October. I think that's exactly right. And again, it's just something to watch. I think, you know, somebody's pointing out that the market has bounced here. I guess the treasury auction went well. I have, I'm not looking at it, so I apologize. But you, know, you are seeing the S&P probably just bounce about, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven handles. So it's something, well, something we'll watch for the remainder of the show. But let's continue because obviously a NASDAQ chart now, 
These are the charts that our crack staff uh, of Amanda, Jacob, Stephen, Rafis, and maybe even Sam got involved, uh, Drew. Now, those are our lines. I'm not suggesting they're the correct lines, but again, this is an uptrend in the NASDAQ 100. Basically, from the beginning of this year, that trend is intact, as opposed to what we just saw in terms of the S&P, we are actually at an uptrend line here. So this is going to be interesting to see because if the S&P falters, it stands to reason that we might see some fall through to the downside in the NASDAQ, Carter. Right. And so, again, it's, um, it's where we are in relation to where we've been, or said differently, in relation to preceding intermediate highs and lows, as well as a series of highs and lows, which make a trend. Now, in terms of the NDX, uh, and that's going back, uh, there's important whether to use a line chart right or a high-low bar chart, uh, but there's every indication, at least my work, that we're going to undercut break below uh, this line. We know that certain key stocks have, Apple being the, the poster child for that, uh, but uh, my hunch is that this is not enough of a correction to correct the steep, uncorrected nature of the move since um, the year began. You made um, a call in the energy market, I believe, and we have a graphic that substantiates it, July 10th being the date. Today is, as I mentioned, August 9th. So I would submit that's about a month or so. And you basically said, I'm going to be, I'm going to cut to the chase here, buy energy. And I got to tell you something. That proved to be not only timely, but extraordinarily correct in a very short period of time. So let's walk us through some of the charts that you brought with us. Because for I will say this, by the way, I agreed with you then. I agree with you now. I mean, there might be an inclination to take your foot off the accelerator. I think it's just getting started. But walk us through it, Carter. Yeah, so it's it's been a, that was July 10, and here we are, August 9. So one month later. Really, a little bit of good time, a little bit of good luck. You need all of those things. Uh, energy is the best performing sector. It's up eight plus percent, and the S&P is up one and a half. But the lines uh, lend themselves to the process. So this is the XLE. Look at those lines. Now, um, let's put in some arrows. Uh, an uptrend line is meant to serve as a reference point, and if something that's in an uptrend or a downtrend continues to respond to trend to the trend line. Um, the, the the thesis is, the thinking is, technique is to continue to play it accordingly. But what we have now, and that was the point of the July 10 month ago report, is that we're now, of course, um, starting to show enough strength to get us above the minor downtrend line in the, since the peak. Um, and I, I suspect uh, there's at least more relative. Remember, all energy has to do is go sideways here. And if you get a a drop in NVIDIA like that super micro job, you know what's going to happen. XLE is going to continue to show relative performance to the s and We brought some of our charts along, so let's take a look at it. And we're trying to uh, keep pace with you. Obviously, this is, I believe, the OIH. I know it is, actually. And this is something that I've talked about for a while. We are now making multi-year highs in the OIH. We're through the levels we saw um, late last year, early this year, uh, I think significantly enough where this is going to start to fall through. I don't know if Stephen can pull up sort of a five or six year chart of the OIH here on the fly, just for context. But um, I think we're looking at the same thing. You mentioned XLE. We're looking at OIH now. Again, as you can see, 
you know, we're getting to levels we haven't seen in quite some time. So what are your thoughts here, Carter? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, I mean, what's holding, just to consider this, if you were to look at the XLE, which have been to track the actual S&P 500 energy sector, you could also look at the equal weight sector because the sector is so dominated by Exxon, Chevron, and one or two others. The equal weight is making important new relative highs to the actual. And so it's because of stocks such as Schlumberger, Halliburton, but also Tidewater, uh, Diamond Offshore, et cetera. Um, let's continue with crude oil because there were a lot of calls for a breakdown in crude. It got, you know, a couple times. We And this is one where, in retrospect, you could say it held, but I got to tell you something. The second, third, fourth time down, it certainly appeared as they were going to pierce it through that 65 level, and it never happened. And here's some 18 or so dollars later, where levels where we saw last in early spring. Right. So, yeah. ironically, right, the street got quite bearish, calling for 45, 50 recession at those lows, just as after the Ukraine war, we went to 140. Um, street publishing houses, the biggest of all, even 250 a barrel, 300. When you get that kind of hysteria, yeah, it's almost always right to go against Wall Street, go against the sell side. Um, here and now, of course, it's a big move to a difficult level. I think one would try to have one's cake and eat it too. Stay long and sell calls. I don't know what, you got to address the, what do they call it? The gorilla in the room. But I keep hearing this sound like, a, I'm not sure what it is. Oh, that is actually, that's on my end. There's someone's doing a mason rework. Ah, all right. So that that solves that. That wasn't a, that wasn't that wasn't your phone on extra vibrate. You thought no. I'm like Sam myself. Is that me? I mean, I know I had Chipotle last night, but I don't think it was that bad or noticeable. And good thing, as they say, this is not Wonka vision. But I digress to a point. Now you'd make amazing calls all the time. By the way, you also point out when you're not right, but when you got spot on was Akamai. So let's take a let's go back in time, shall we? And let's look at your comments about Akamai. What was this? Oh, right. So this is, um, what? This is yesterday yeah. morning. Uh, Akamai going into earnings. Uh, we're doing one on Baba now for clients. That has earnings uh, close to Baba. But uh, let's go through the charts. So uh, one way to draw the lines. Next one. Another way to draw the line. Uh, oh, here's the, well, that's what's happened today. Okay, so Akamai, yes. You have a nice results up 10%. But that, 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 that setup, it's awfully nice, right? A lot of tension mm -hmm. in, in that um, a move, a very poor performer. Look, to think, everyone knows the market makes a low in October. So does Akamai, but it makes shocking new lows in March, a real dog. Um, but uh, again, a setup like that uh, going into an event has pop potential. So with a little luck, we pop today. And... Uh, Ultimately, you know, we came close to filling this gap up here at 110. That's right. So that was going to be the next thing I said. And I don't know if you have a chart that illustrates that gap, but if you could go back to the prior run real quick, we'll take a look because there is that gap in the chart that was created by a downdraft that actually set up a move from last summer into this spring. So it lasted quite a long time, but this move today finally resolves, I think, if it didn't happen in, in its entirety, resolve that gap that we had on the upside that was created on a move to the downside. So this, this is, again, this is me just looking at it 
this resolution today on what's probably going to be a great deal of volume is your opportunity, I would think, Carter, to be taking money off the table, not adding to a long position. Again, that's just yeah, me. I, you might have a different yeah, view. That's aggressive to add here. I mean, I think there is the way to sort of, again, have cake and eat as well, which is to sell calls and stay. But certainly when you have an outsized payday, to think, look, we know that equity markets return about eight to 9% a year on average. If you get that in one day, yeah, maybe, maybe just take a little, as they say, bulls, bears, and pigs, right? Just uh, take a little off. The Walt Disney Company, I believe that's what it's called now. You talk about a stock that, forget about this year, a stock that is really not performed now. I mean, it had a big move um, at one point. I think it was north of 170, but here we are in the mid-80s. Reports, earnings, we're probably going to lead fast money with it tonight. Um, let's take a look at it because there are some implied moves and you put out a poll, chart one, further room to the downside, chart two, little bit of a double, maybe triple bottom, uh, resolves itself with a breakout of that downtrend line. And it's interesting. I mean, you took the poll in terms of institutions, they seem to think one thing, your subscribers seem to think something else. So looks like the subscribers want to be bullish of Disney. Yeah, and um, my own vote, which subscribers are aware of, is that we would we break here. So <laughs> we shall see. Um, but what's interesting is, you know, several thousand response on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is sort of uh, sort of splitting the difference. But uh, institutions have a very uh, sort of negative bias here, as, as revealed. Those are identical charts, and. Well, I guess I would just say this, that my conviction is not high. If it were high, I would have put out a buy Disney report or sell Disney report, no different than Akamai or any other report, Energy um, or the Baba one that's coming out. But um, I think it's really a coin toss here. Hence, I thought it'd be fun to do a poll and you can see how people responded. Those are identical charts. I've just annotated them differently. And it is literally going to be the green arrow or the red arrow. Uh, this is elemental. I don't have a strong view. And nor do I, but I do have a view about this because as I think you can make an argument either way at these levels, but first of all, we're, we're down below levels we saw at, in the worst part, I think of COVID in March, April, 2020. I don't know if we can do a Disney chart longer term, Steven, but I'm pretty sure uh, we broached or breached those levels. Well, so that's number on, one. Yeah. Well, you can see on this chart on the left, we right. we're not quite at the COVID low, but I mean, essentially we're at the COVID low, which is, which is, which is amazing if you amazing. think about it. I mean, it really is pretty amazing. So at least yeah. you have that working to your advantage in so much as here we are, potential for a bottom based on that, number one. Problem on the other side is, I think, this could be the quarter with, you, you've seen some of the management changes at Disney where Bob Iger just throws all the shit at, basically at the wall that he possibly can, um, completely kitchen sinks things for a reset. Now, market could take that one of two ways. They could be like, great news. You know, this is our opportunity. Or they could say, you know what? Clearly you haven't figured things out. There's more room to the downside. And I think that speaks to exactly what your poll is. But I will tell you that if you ask me to handicap this thing, I think you, uh, you're going to hear a lot of bad rhetoric out of this conference call tonight. Now, whether the market interprets that as good or bad, I don't know. But Buckle up, because I think this conference call for Disney is going to be really interesting, Carter. Thoughts on yeah. that? 
Yeah, and right, and what and what Guy just said is important is that it could be with the kitchen sink and the reaction, it could be, wow, these guys have taken their medicine and people like it, or wow, you guys clearly have a lot of problems still. But you could also get both of those the same day, which everyone knows is it's the kind of thing on the open. It's a crisis. It's down six, seven, nine percent. So and then all of a sudden, starts climbing back and shakes it off, close on the high, and you have what is known as a, a as a capitulation day, and it marks the low. You can get all of that in one day. But um, uh, again, I think it's pretty close to a coin toss here. I agree. Eli Lilly is a name that I know you've talked about, I think, on Fast Money, on Market Call, we, we've been preaching about for years, and that's not hyperbole. It just happens to be fact. Now, the problem, of course, is analysts are starting to get involved. So we just throw this headline up. Jeffries upgrades Eli Lilly as enthusiasm around the weight loss drug Wegovi, um continues to sort of uh, manifest itself. Here's the problem. I don't know if, again, I know Stephen can do this because he's done it a number of times. Pull up a chart of, you know, real-time chart of Lilly over the last year or so. And this move, and now what is a half a trillion dollar company, is a little overboard, I think. And I love Eli Lilly, but man, oh man, when you see something like that, when you see this island formation, yesterday on what was a huge volume day, um, and this is after a big move to the upside. My antenna go up in a major way. Again, you know, you talk about analysts being late and sort of all the headlines sort of signaling. You talked about it in crude oil a couple of years ago when all the analysts were preaching $150, $200 oil. That proved to be the top. And it happens over and over again. And this is anecdotal, I know. And I'm not picking on the Jeffries analyst at all. But I mean, really? You're not helping anybody here. Thoughts on that? Right. I mean, maybe we can get a 10-year chart just to really put some perspective on this. Um, the, 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 I mean, the thing that comes to mind, look, Pfizer was the great leader for years, and Lily and Merck were lesser. Pfizer's on its knees now. Things change. Um, but, you know, there is something uh, people refer to perpetual motion machines. That's, that's uh, one that runs indefinitely without an external source of energy to power it. And guess what? It's not possible. It violates the laws of thermodynamics. The question is, I mean, who, who the hell doesn't know about Lilly? What isn't priced in? And one could say, well, it could, it could actually come out with this drug and it could all keep going. It's a lot already. And so, uh, yeah, Trim, if you, if you, any is in such a forged position to have this, has it right now, is profited, give or reduce. You can still stay with some, still stay with a lot. Take 5% off, take 30 but just sitting around waiting and waiting, thinking it's going to double and triple from here. Yeah, that's not my thing. I agree. And this, this again, when you see a huge volume day, when that island is created, you know, I, I love Eli Lilly, the company, and we've said this for a while. This is not an indictment of the company at all. It's just sort of things get a little ahead of themselves, and I fear that that might be going on here. I'm going to call another bit of a, uh, an audible here, as it is preseason football season. Uh, let's take a look at Valero real quick, VLO. Uh, if you could do like a five-year chart, Stephen. I bring this up because very quietly, and we have CPI tomorrow, which everybody's going to be looking at, but you look at this chart, you know, Valero had that huge move, which made sense um, early last year. You had the sell-off, you had the subsequent move higher, and a sell-off. Well, the refiners are back on their horses, and crude oil is something we talked about earlier, Carter, but 
Something that's been going on that nobody seems to want to talk about is the move in both gasoline and heating oil and sort of we call those obviously the products in my world. And they've all been moving to the upside in a meaningful way. Now, say what you want. And I've said this for a while. I just sort of throw it out there. I have no idea what CPI is going to be tomorrow. But I do think beginning tomorrow, over the next couple months, you're going to start to see this reacceleration of inflation, which I don't think argues particularly well for the market. But this is one of the things, Carter, you want to watch. And for the audience listening and watching, also wants to take a look at. Keep an eye on names like this that obviously are levered, not necessarily to the price of crude, but to the underlying products, which obviously have a huge impact on what inflation does. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the, the real, look, crude's been here. The real dynamic thing is, is not gas, right? That is one of the highest, beta. it's literally the commodity that's referred to as the widow maker. Uh, but not gas has all the elements of a bearish to bearish reversal. Uh, we shall see, but my bias there is on the long side. It's interesting. Somebody, Jay Luther is saying, I love Lily. You know, it's funny. You watched, if you watch TV, which I'm sure most people here do, I would say, and this is not, I don't think this is hyperbole either. I think every third commercial is a pharmaceutical. It's, it's, it's quite remarkable, actually. And my question to my wife who works in the industry is, who are they, who are they advertising to? It's like, if you're an individual, you're not walking to the supermarket and say, hey, I want that Wachovia. It's just, they're planting the seed. And this Jardians commercial, where you have just a slew of people in the middle of a square singing what is a very catchy tune. I mean, they spent a shitload of money on these commercials, and it's amazing. Anyway. You no, know, it is. Uh, the ones that I always think, you ever, there used to be uh, sort of the industrials like a Raytheon, like forward Boeing. Who the hell's buying a, a jet or, or a nuclear sub? But hey, they do it. It's, you know, it's all part of that. It's, it's, all, it's all part of it. Yeah. And who am I to cast aspersions? But I'll right. tell you who I am to cast is the end of the show. And I want to thank the Mason out there at Carter's building. I'm sure he or she is doing yeoman's work. Carter Braxton Worth will be on CNBC's Fast Money tonight. So you're going to see the transformation right before your eyes. He'll be sitting next to me on set tonight. Obviously, thank Carter. He does extraordinary work. Uh, Check out Worth Charting. Obviously, thank you, FactSet Financial Data and Analytics, powered by tomorrow. Dan Nathan is obviously powered by the Rocky Mountains and all things that are Colorado. Thank you for your time, folks. We'll see you tomorrow.